0: Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereum have listened to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy, Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Drinking a cold Corona, <laughs> enjoying a nice
1: Wednesday, I thought it was a Saturday, during Corona. It's a Tuesday. During lockdown. I can't even tell my Wednesdays from Saturdays from <laughs> Tuesdays, so here I am. I discovered Super Smash Bros. for the <laughs> Nintendo Switch this weekend. Wow, they did a great job. I immediately bought one. As soon as I discovered it, I was like, yeah. I have to have this, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I,
0: I am that. I am one long plane ride away from getting a Switch. But since it's COVID times, uh, it looks like I'm going to be sitting on my hands. <laughs> yeah, dude, they have no Switches at Target or anything like that. Really? They have, they have yeah. no
1: Oculuses either. All the good stuff just yeah. completely picked over. Supply mm-hmm. chains are fucked.
0: Yeah, and it's especially actually, especially because everyone's been making money in their particular assets that they own. Like so a switch isn't all that expensive anymore. Assets are up. Well, I guess actually no. Actually no, that's not true. In in the legacy markets, assets are moving up. In the crypto markets, they're flat. Um, but yeah, so we are on the cusp, and, and so yeah, so like I I feel like there's this this looming bear market, right? Like it's in the rear view mirror but you can still see it like it's still there right like we haven't killed it like there's still the threat of like sub 10k btc there's still the threat of like sub 300 dollar ether right and like for for, i feel like those are the bullish lines for all assets right and like we're still basically just like riding on that line
1: yeah i would agree with that like I feel scared when I say the bull market is here because I feel like right. it's it's just one one uh, stock market dump away from not being true.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's totally right. That's totally right. So like we're, we're riding, Bitcoin's riding on top of the 20-week moving average, which is like the mean moving average for Bitcoin, right? Like if Bitcoin's above the 20-week moving average, then it's a bull market. And if it's below the 20-week moving average, then it's a bear market, right? And like we're sitting right on it and it's been acting as resistance which means we're in a bull market but like like just like you said we're like we're sitting right right on top of it and we are like we'll just another resurgence of covid away from a bear market right
1: so bitcoin tina says that he thinks stocks dumping is good for bitcoin because that means that regulators are going to get off their ass and and pump more money into the system or at least try to make it mm-hmm. seem like they're doing that mm-hmm. um, and and that would pump bitcoin and other assets even further up you mean what's your take on that
0: he's looking for more money printing is that what's is that what that what he's saying
1: yeah he he thinks that money printing needs to happen for stocks to keep going up and for assets to keep going up and that the fed will ensure that and the and regulators will ensure that that happens
0: yeah some of the takes i've been hearing are is that like we are in like the second or maybe the third inning of like money printing right like money printing is going to continue. Right. And, and uh, like the, the state is positioned to where like it kind there kind of needs to be a third wave of COVID third wave for the United States second wave for the rest of the world. Um, But like the state is positioned to, to like really need that third wave in order to like be legitimate and justify all the things that they're doing. And then also so we can print a bunch more money.
1: Yeah, I don't even know how to feel about that. I really don't want more waves. I want it mm-hmm. to end.
0: I want it to end. I do want it to end. I, I went to a, a brewery the other day where, like, they kind of had a nice system where, like, you know, they would show you to your table to, like, give you the instructions. Like, okay, like, this is what you do now. Like, you put your cups here. Like, you you wear the mask while you do this. Uh, you know, here's this little card that you put and, and when you're up, up from your table, you do this. Like people are figuring it out. Like people are making the system, right? Like people are figuring out what it's like to, to be a business in COVID times. That being said, plenty of restaurants not open.
1: Yeah, I mean, the entire world has turned into an airport in the DMV. So congratulations.
0: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
1: you know you walk into a bar and they walk you to your seat and they tell you where you can put your cups and or mm-hmm. you can take your mask on and you know where to take your shoes
0: off and it's just wow that's an interesting take that's an interesting obviously like obviously the, the breweries don't want to do that right like that's not their choice they just need to do that to be open right that's like the requirements yeah. that have been compliance. like compliance on them yeah compliance capital c compliance Super fun
1: stuff. You know what's more fun? All the Point. shit that's happening in crypto.
0: Wait, which shit, shit specifically?
1: I mean, everything on happening on Ethereum is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the progress in terms of institutionalization of Bitcoin has been fun. Like,
0: L- let's start funny, there the because I have apart, a hard take on that. Crypto is like,
1: it's, it's doing well.
0: Crypto is a, a huge fucking bubble, and it's and it's been very that has been very true as of the last week. Where do you want to start? With the Uniswap token eardrop or are you with the MicroStrategy buying a bunch of Bitcoin? Because I have a hot take on the MicroStrategy buying Bitcoin. All right,
1: Bitcoin. let's talk about micro take first. MicroStrategy first.
0: Okay, so here's my hot take, right?
1: Everyone mm-hmm. is like
0: super excited that MicroStrategy is putting Bitcoin on their balance sheets because it wants to flee from cash, right? But like, I think it's worth noting that like this isn't a board of directors that voted to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. This is one guy who controls the whole company who just like makes to make decisions, right? Like he's kind of a loose cannon. He's smart, I'm not saying not saying he's dumb. Maybe maybe he's a little bit impulsive. That's kind of my like kind of gut feeling. But it's just this one guy who has the controlling stick to this company, and he just decided to buy a bunch of Bitcoin. And the only difference about this guy is that he owns this company and it's his company's assets rather than his assets, but it's still basically his assets. It's not like a board of directors of like 12 people all voted in favor of like taking their dollars and putting it into Bitcoin. It's just one guy who is working with his own balance sheets of his own company. Like that's not that special, not in comparison to like the narrative of like companies are putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. No, it's, it's just one guy.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that. I think that, yes, you're right that this is a small to medium sized public company. It's not an Apple. It's not a Google. And that Michael does have a majority ownership of the shares, but he still has a board. And in all of his podcasts, he did. Did you listen to his podcast with Pomp or Stefan
0: or any of that? I listened to the Pomp one for the first half and then also with um, NLW.
1: Okay, yeah, well, I mean he talks about like sending con- like you know uh Bitcoin educational content to his board members and having conversations with them and having making a strategic business decision that could be the narrative that he's just trying to spin um but so I think that it is fair to say that hey, it is a smaller company, and one man obviously controls it, mm-hmm. but I think what is also fair to say is like why did he choose Bitcoin? Sure, he chose Bitcoin because.
0: There was literally no other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, like it was we, we stock know, that, five acts or nothing. Right, and we know that this is a bottom-up revolution, right? And so, like, it should be like something like this first before it turns into like you know a medium cap company where like multiple people had to vote on it before it gets to like a large cap company where like you know, et cetera right so like this is a bottom-up revolution and like he's a he but he's at the bottom right and so like i just want to like and bitcoiners don't haven't been talking about that particular angle where like you know this is kind of like the the i'm not gonna say bottom of the barrel
1: beggars can't be choosers
0: yeah you're you're totally right like it's still good he's He's not the the hero that
1: we (laughs) he's not the hero that we that we wanted but he's the hero that we deserve baby like yeah no that's true that's true he's just a man making it happen but the problem that MicroStrategy had was that they had a massive cash balance. They mm-hmm. wanted to be extremely conservative with that value, and they didn't want to lose it. And right. they didn't have mu- They really didn't have many options. Like right. there's no account they could buy. There's no bond. Like they felt like every bond was overvalued. They mm-hmm. didn't want to start. Sp- like they didn't want to become a hedge fund and start he- speculating on uh, on stocks. Right. You know. So we're seeing a lot of companies with a lot of cash. What do they do? Cash or stock buybacks. And that was one of the things that MicroStrategy did. They did a combo of stock buybacks and buying Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, Their stock did pump. So maybe that was part of it was they were buying their own stock. So they're buying it back. But I think this is bullish, man. Baby (laughs) steps in the right direction. Super bullish. And the fact fact that he could do it without moving the price um, and buy a significant portion, like, that's that's also bullish very few i mean he he's reported that his average price was about eleven thousand, uh and that he was buying over i think he was buying over the course of like eight days
0: at least the first round of buying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is kind of funny that like there was the first round of buying and then he was like fuck it we're going more like we're doubling down
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what he said is they did around the buying, then they did around the stock buybacks, and then they had extra cash and they wanted to allocate all of it, so they just bought more yeah. Bitcoin. But okay. I mean, again, I think I'm not I'm not a micro strategy expert. I mm-hmm. I think it's just like Bitcoiners are celebrating because they have moved from no public companies having it on their balance sheet right. only startups and you know other you know crypto projects, and now one. And according to Jeff Booth, who is you know, a macro commentator commentator that's entered into the crypto and Bitcoin space. Uh, he is a, you know, Silicon Valley investor, Canadian guy. And uh, he's he's been saying that several boards that he sits on are having the exact same conversation. So right. I don't know which boards he's referring to, but the fact that, like, you know, this is a conversation that has now been kind of, like, de-risked from a reputation perspective, like... Interesting and bullish, interesting and bullish,
0: yeah, totally, and like one turns into two, but two turns into four, and then four turns into eight, right, like it 's not one, two, three, four it's it's one two, eight turns four, into eight. apple <laughs> I think we might have a few more steps in between eight and apple, but yes, eight eventually turns into apple you 're right. <laughs> All right, moving on.
1: But here's the thing. Yeah, here's, here, yeah, let's move on. But here's one of the things that Michael Saylor did say. He's like, if you are a serious company that has one guy at the board, like MicroStrategy, you can do this in 60 days. If you're not, this is going to take you six months. This is going to take you nine months. This is going to take you 12 months. Mm-hmm. So um, it nice. almost nice starts
0: up. now. Right. Just,
1: you know, yeah. start plotting it forward.
0: Nice, nice little pump statement right there. It's like, hey. Uh, hey, no, hey, he, he already I got his Bitcoin. He can pump it as much as he yeah, wants no, at this point. No, yeah, now now he just turns into a Bitcoiner. <laughs> okay, speaking of Bitcoiners, TBTC or Unis, Uniswap?
1: I guess, yeah, let's slowly transition to ETH. Yeah, so okay, TBTC, would be a, TBTC. TBTC would be a nice is move out. Around.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, last I checked, which was a couple hours ago, there's 35 TBTC on Ethereum. Uh, and so here here's a debate that I've been having with, with some some Ethereum people. It's like I, I'm I'm stoked for TBTC because my thesis on TBTC versus all the other tokenized Bitcoin implementations is that like TBTC does a a good job trying to retain Bitcoin or values, right? And so, you know, if you use WBTC or RENBTC. As a Bitcoiner, you're like compromising on your values, right? But and TBTC is built in a way that doesn't force you to compromise, right? So that's why we like TBTC. And so that's why I'm bullish on TBTC because it allows Bitcoiners to express their Bitcoin maxiness on Ethereum, right? Like you still get to be a Bitcoin maxi, you just get to do it on Ethereum, right? So that's why I'm excited. The other half of this argument is that, like, from, from the Ethereum, I was uh, debating with some, some Ethereum people that like the total addressable market for that is just small, right? Like there aren't that many Bitcoin maxis that would be like, I'm not choosing WBTC. I'm not choosing Ren but I am choosing TBTC. Like the, the argument from the other side is that like, there aren't that many people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think the product market fit for TBTC has yet to be proven out. I think that if you really care about, like, from what I'm seeing from Ethereum, like WBTC is good enough.
0: Yeah, and almost preferable, right? Like, because if if you're cool with if you're cool with uh, what's it called, BlockFi, you should be cool with WBTC.
1: If yeah, if you're cool with any centralized org, right, you're cool with WGTC. So how many people aren't cool enough with that? And honestly, like the reality, like I want to start. It's not going to be until WBTC is forced to have a blacklist like Tether, like uh, USDC, which we know it's coming, that TBTC is really going to have some sort of leg up and, you know, I would not be shocked if Ren BTC was forced to have some sort of a blacklist. Like, there's a multi-sig that controls the majority of the funds. Like, at some point, there is a choke point right there. So, um, we'll see well, if, hopefully if, hopefully if that, thing that just
0: gets, gets, gets flexed. Deleted. We, we yeah. want that thing to just go away.
1: We're going to see what happens first, right? So, <laughs> you know, as long as that remains. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's, it's a delicate balancing act. It's kind of like diet, too. It's like... Yeah, die exists. Yeah, the market, ca- like the the addressable market, is much smaller. It's less liquid. It's more expensive. But at some point, you're gonna get censored, and you're gonna need to move on to something that can't censor you.
0: Also, die market cap and die liquidity is doing phenomenally. Like we're we're almost at a billion die. Um, so it's it's. I think people are kind of forgetting about it because like so many other tokenized you know crypto dollars are going through the roof, but die is doing a really good job. Could be doing a better job. Could be doing a better job.
1: You know, I would like to see it as like percentage of address of the of like the total stablecoin cap, and see just to kind of put in perspective what a billion ti- die means. But like there's no arguing it's more expensive. Right. It takes it takes two point three dollars to make one die, whereas it takes right. you know, well, no, theoretically that's, that's only less like than a true. dollar to make one tether. That, <laughs> yeah, I guess not, it's not true <laughs> if you put USDC in. But. Right,
0: yeah. There's a lot of assets that are that I, I think fifty percent of die is is backed by other crypto dollars. Which is kind of a lot actually.
1: Sus. Then does that even make that die as good? That kind of makes die fifty percent as good.
0: No, because because it's also backstop by the value of MKR, right? So, like, MKR is, like, the backstop middleman between, like, any centralized asset. They, they are the risk.
1: Right. They arb yes. the risk.
0: They arb the risk, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. I mean, dude,
1: it's going to be fun to see all this stuff shake out, like... The I, I really think the hammer is yet to come and I, I'm just really excited to see and scared to see how censorship resistant this stuff truly is.
0: Well, like if the hammer came down on MakerDAO and die, like that would harm a lot of people like that. That wouldn't be good. That would that would cause like orders of magnitude more harm than it would t- just for compliance purposes. Like I don't think that would happen.
1: So did the war on drugs. So is the fight on terrorism. So like there's. Yeah, but there's some racism mixed in there too. Stuff. You know, terrorists use DeFi. Terrorists, you know, one organization funds their, their thing by like coming up with some cool scheme and then all of a sudden the target's on your back.
0: Yeah, but yeah. No, Again, I like, I hey, I don't think you, I don't I think I think you personally think model and apply it to the, to the new world. I think racism has more of you to do with it than you think. I think I think taking advantage of
1: people has more to do with it, and dominating, and racism is just something is a string that they pull to suit their ultimate needs.
0: You no, know, what I'm saying is, I think their ultimate needs are to remove competition from other races, and that is manifested in like the drug war.
1: I would say okay. Well, let's let's not get down this this hole. <laughs> okay. So actually, I want to I want to tra- transition to Uniswap because okay, I want you to kind of explain. Like, I can understand there's a lot of reasons why this token, comparatively to other tokens, is super bullish. Like, it's mm-hmm. attached to Uniswap. Mm-hmm. It seems as the liquidity mining can drive a lot of liquidity to something, especially in the short term. But my question is, is like. Uniswap was this darling of like a thing that is full robot on the spectrum of like human to robot. And right. now maybe the majority of liquidity is not.
0: Yes. Like, yeah. did do just know. change
1: it. Its, its, it's robotness know. on the robot spectrum because of this token. Like did that kind of change what Uniswap is? And if the majority of liquidity is no longer full robot, is it really that darling that it once was?
0: Yeah, uh, and now I'm realizing I'm dropping the ball as a co-host because I did not research this prior. I don't know how the Uniswap token would inject itself into previous Uniswap exchanges that were created before the token was created. I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's possible. So I think all current Uniswap exchanges are still as robotic as they previously were but then the question is how then one well, then why is there any value to the token right um but but let's go ahead and go off, go with the premise <clears throat> that like uniswap now is like well now it has human governance right so now it's less robotic first off anyone can fork uniswap and, and spin up a robotic version of it like that's always an option to them um but yeah uh, but
1: the liquidity network is may yeah, not, the, potentially the, may not be there depends yeah, on where yeah, it right. it's built up moving forward
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, so yes, you're right. And and basically it runs on faith that token governance can work in the same way as like t- typical governance over, over a company can from people that are anonymous or pseudo anonymous and that will still happen. And if that can work, then, then, you know, that's great. Um, and now it also it's important for like the, the team needs to to hand over control, like VCs need to exit, right? And then we also need to stop having like compliance burdens, which Uniswap totally does because now they can just say like, well, no, the, the token exists, so we can't do anything about it. Sorry. that That's kind of the motivations I think for the, for the token that came from.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: If I guess,
1: so I guess I want your, I, I listened to your bankless episode on Uniswap and the Unitoken token. And I mean, you guys had mostly positive things to say. Like, I, I want to get like your very honest opinion. Like I, I obviously think like Uniswap, like a lot of people thought that Uniswap worked really well. It was one of a kind. It to, had a different approach. It's kind of strange to me that they decided to kind of go with the flow on this. Like, I mean, there are obvious liquidity mining benefits but are those long term benefits like it seemed like it didn't even need that other people were liquidity mining and feeding into them as it was like, I'm just kind of curious, like, does this token compromise, like that once thing and curious what your thoughts are on like, how it was all done? And if you thought that everything was well was done well, well, so those I... lines.
0: I think the token distribution was done basically as well as it could have been. Like I could have a few qualms that I could bring up, but basically like a to a plus like token distribution.
1: Pretty fair. Yeah. Super fair
0: in the grand scheme Uh of things. Super fair in the grand scheme of things. Yes. turns out we've been mining Uniswap all along, right? Like, like even you, Christian, I think you got your airdrop. I thought I was
1: mining more, but I was a little (laughs) disappointed by how little I mined.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that would, that would be my one qualm, right? Like if you traded on Uniswap once, you got the same amount as somebody who traded on Uniswap like a thousand times. Um, But like, you know, small, small change um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Uniswap V3 is going to be a thing and there's going to be a ton of features in that. And I think that's where the token becomes much more relevant, right? And so, like I said, like I just said, like Uniswap V2, those exchanges were minted before the tokens were ever minted, right? So how could the token impact those exchanges, right? Like all of the, and I'm actually growing more and more confident on this as I think about it, all of the current exchanges in Uniswap from Uniswap V2 and V1 are robotic, 100%. Like, no compromises. Like, the Uniswap token can't control those, especially after the fact of the token minting. But like I said, Uniswap V3 is coming. And there's plenty of new features that we can talk about there. It's gonna, there's going to be some some layer 2 implementation, um, probably more efficient order routing. Um, and importantly, like, and this is true for all protocols, is, like, doesn't matter what v3 has because like in the future in five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, like DeFi will be different. Right. And we'll need Uniswap to upgrade and integrate. Right. And so uh, that's how, and that's, and the team can't do it. And the the VCs can't do it because like this whole thing is supposed to be more decentralized than teams and VCs. Right. And so the token solves that problem. So I, I may, I'm, I'm thinking that like the to, the Uniswap token, Comes before Uniswap V three and it's really much more relevant to Uniswap V three.
1: And again, like I'm just trying to throw out some scenarios to get see how your head thinks. But how is Uniswap V three with the token not a direct attack on Uniswap V two as like the, the the former robot token, a uh, former mm-hmm. robot protocol?
0: Yeah. Well, because. At the end of the day, all of the users of Uniswap V2 have the choice to accept Uniswap V3 or not. So, like, no one's being coerced, um, and so I guess liquidity could be fractured, um, but it also could be net net additive as well. And we could also order out between both Uniswap V3 and Uniswap V2 too. That is possible.
1: Okay. I mean, like, again, not trying to be adversarial here, but just trying to like bring us some up up some ideas
0: i mean i I feel, I feel like i should have done a little bit more research on the, how the token relates to uniswap v2 um i think it's very possible that the answer is that it doesn't except for liquidity mining um uh which again doesn't have actually any material impact on the exchanges itself it's more of like a, a, a layer on top of it um it's uh, like a, but, uh, but also there's not
1: strapped onto it
0: right yeah mm-hmm. like built, built on top rather than integrated inside right uh, but uh, there's also just, we just don't have information about Uniswap V3, right? Like like very few people know about what's up with Uniswap V3. And so like spe- there's only speculation that we can really do at this point.
1: You know, I'm the best at speculating.
0: <laughs> Especially on DeFi tokens.
1: Oh yeah, I'm great at that. 100% accuracy. Um, what else do we want to talk about?
0: Those are kind of the big What's things. What's
1: this chart from Ryan?
0: Oh yeah. Well okay so like the 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 Uniswap chart from Ryan is like it was in a descending it was going down on a, in a line right and then it kind of started to stop going down in that line and now it's kind of holding flat on that line. And that's in relationship to ether which is bouncing off of its own line which is relating to Bitcoin which is bouncing off the 20 week moving average right and also and also wifey is also as a, like an uh, indicator for the rest of DeFi, is also doing something similar, right? And so like everything seems to have found support. So, okay. So long as we continue to, to hold that support, COVID go away.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems to me like it's just the, the daily chop.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. But it's all happening all at once, which is why it's interesting. But yeah, and that, then that could also just be like the daily chop of the macro market. So, I I know that you're at
1: a position now where you're not converting a lot of fiat into crypto, but, like, how are you thinking about, you know, maximizing your opportunity in these, you know, let's just say the next few months if it just continues like this?
0: I'm talking about, like, all encompassing all markets? Yeah, or or just the crypto market, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'm spending 90% of my energy and thought into the crypto market. I, I think I spend as much time on stocks as I do on fantasy football, which is not that much. Just enough to be effective. It's like just enough to be effective.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm kind of positioned in exactly the way like I want to be. Um, and so I don't really see myself making too many moves, right? Like now that the Uniswap token exists and I have my mind bag of that because, you know, Thanks, thanks, David, for being a very disorganized, chaotic individual and and using a bunch of different wallets. Uh, Let's just say I had more than two wallets that I had traded Uniswap with, Um, and and so like got got that and got my Wifey and got my Ether and like I got a little bit of uh, landed a little bit of SNX and like I don't really know what else. There's there's nothing else that really that really kind of fits the bill. Uh, So I'm I'm pretty content to be uh, positioned and like with the, with the income I'm making, I, I, like you said, I'd rather like get a new paint job on my super old 1970s car. Right. Like I'd rather, I'd rather like kind of do stuff in my life. Right. Um, you know, like if if I kept on buying crypto, it kind of it wouldn't really be a material impact on it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like trading, I, I, I guess my point
1: there is like it seems as though you're you're positioning yourself where you've acquired quality assets, yes. now, or at least what you would consider to be quality assets. Yes. Although you're definitely missing the best quality asset.
0: But Let's see, well, but personal my, my portfolio uh, balance in said asset seems to continue to go up. So, in portfolio denominated terms, I keep getting more of that best quality asset. So. Yeah, going can
1: tell you what to
0: do. Yeah, you're know, gonna keep on doing the same strategy that was been doing that.
1: Yep. Um, but yeah, so I mean part of your strategy isn't necessarily trading, which no. I, th- I, I just like wanna like you you can do this stuff without trading, period.
0: In my like, okay, so I, I small I sold a very small amount of Uniswap at like seven dollars or something just because like, well, A, I got it for free. And it went from, from $3 at the day of to $7, which is, you know, over, over 200%. So I was like, well, I'll just sell, sell a little bit. But, like, it wasn't very much. And – you know, and it it was just because like, it just felt right. just felt like the smart thing to do. So like I do like small trading like that, like you would call it trading, but no, I'm not a trader and I don't really suggest anyone in DeFi to be a trader. Like we're, we are quote unquote in a new paradigm of like how assets are generated and how they're valued. Right. And so it's just not the time to be trading. Like there's real value to be captured and like, don't be a trader unless you are trying to be a trader. Right. Like, just do the simple thing. And it's also much a weight off my back. I'm also not much of a yield farmer, which is kind of weird because like all of crypto, all of DeFi is like a, being degenerate yield farmers right now. You know, it it's just so much easier to just not bother with it, right? Like there's other ways to to access like outsized returns, right? Like you don't have to be a yield farmer. There's are simple with simple things. Buying and holding early. Buying and holding early and then taking a very responsible amount of leverage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you you already do a little bit more than I do. I'm like 1x long all the time pretty much. Even even gotta, in my yeah, my shit got to
0: express a little bit more bullishness than 1x long. Like 1.2x long is great.
1: 1x long in a point that in a in a place that I can't even touch it. So,
0: mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're I mean you're you're guaranteed to not lose at that point, sure.
1: Yeah, I mean like just so bullish. It's like, why, why mess with it? I like guess the biggest move in history.
0: Well, cause if you're so bullish, you could be 20% more bullish. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. Maybe I can mess around like some, like maybe I can allocate something to that, but, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. All right. Well, this is a fun rip, man. Uh, always good to, uh, kind of get the pulse here. I think David and I are just so busy doing other stuff. Uh, I feel like this is kind of going to become like more of like a noted style podcast where Mm -hmm. uh, Dave and I just kind of come together, talk about stuff. Sometimes we have guests uh, not going to force it too much, keep it casual, but keep it consistent as well. So uh, have no fear.
0: I do want to show a future podcast, though, with the, the LedgerCast boys. They have a very trading-focused podcast. So they're, they're traders, first and foremost, so trader maximalists. And I, I, I listen to them because they kind of make unique content that doesn't really kind of map into anything else because it's trading-focused. Uh, and there, there's two of them. And one's Brian and one's Josh. And Brian is the guy that, like, kind of explored DeFi as it became a thing, like, explored farming and kind of got into that world, like, got into Uniswap. Like, didn't know what Uniswap was, like, two months ago and then started creating, like, content around it. So, like, really kind of dove in and kind of, like, publicized his experiments, publicized his, like, findings, right? And meanwhile, Josh is on the other side of things, like saying like, oh, well, that's a Ponzi and that's a Ponzi too, and that's a Ponzi and they're all Ponzis, right? And so it, the, and so, as I've been listening to them, it's like, wow, this is just me and Christian, but like trader versions of them, right? Of us, right? And so uh, we're gonna have a podcast with us four and kind of talk about that because it's very interesting to see how like, there's a lot of David and Christian in them, as, as, but in trading form, right? And they come into yeah, like yeah. This, the same kind of conversations that we frequently uh, end up in. And I kind of want to just talk about that with them. I think that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I'd probably sound a lot like Joss, except I'm telling Joss that he shouldn't trade and just hold.
0: <laughs> well, we can it's talk like, about that too.
1: <laughs> it's like, dude, if you just hold, you can make you know, 90% as much, if not more, and you can do a whole nother job.
0: I'm pretty sure that he makes money trading, though. So, like, I'm not sure why he was, yeah. he's going to listen to that.
1: Oh, no. I mean, hey, he, he's a professional. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he has, like, over 100,000 followers just, yeah, you know, yeah, following I mean, his trades. So yeah,
0: they both have a fuck ton of followers. I
1: feel like, you know, you earn that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But unless you're willing to earn it, just hodl.
0: Yep. Agreed.
1: And make sure to give us five-star reviews. Peace.
2: Will using- you